Welcome to the Meta Business Podcast. The Metaverse and Web3 are bringing about the biggest revolution since the internet itself. With your hosts, Paul the Prophet Dawalibi and Jeff the Juice Cohen, we will be bringing you the latest Metaverse business news and insight into what it all means. The Meta Business Podcast starts now. From the boardroom to the Metaverse, this is the Meta Business Podcast. I am Paul Dawalibi. I'm joined today by my friend and co-host, Jeff the Juice Cohen. For those of you who are new to the Meta Business Podcast, welcome. What we do here is we cover the most pressing metaverse news and topics of the week, but we look at all of it through a business and C-suite lens. We dissect, we analyze the business implications of everything happening in this very exciting industry. Um, if you're a regular listener, thank you guys for tuning in every week. This is episode 15. Uh, we have been getting so much good feedback from you guys. Really appreciated all the love, the support. Make sure to go subscribe to the podcast, whether it's on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Play or wherever you get this content. Hit the subscribe button. Make sure you get notified when the new episodes drop and uh, leave a review. If you love the content, it helps other people to find the podcast. Jeff, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We are uh, we're recording a bit of an earlier time. So if you're watching the video, you see the, the sunlight pouring uh, through my window here. We usually record a bit later on between Paul's two other podcasts. And uh, today we're doing it earlier because we. Yeah. So it's a nice change. We look good in this lighting. Right. So if you're listening to this, great. I, we, well, we, I, I love that people listen to the show. But if you're watching it, you get the benefit of our, our handsome, you know, faces with all this good natural light. It is good. I also, I went back, I have a rule where I rarely ever listen to any of our content after we tape it because I kind of feel like it, it will freaks me out to hear my voice. And then I like <laughs> get in my own head, but I, I did go back and was listening to one of the episodes. And what I realized is that when I interrupt people, it's really bad. So I'm going to generally, as a general rule, try to not do that. I didn't realize the audio makes it sound so bad. Not, not that it's like bad for me personally when I interrupt people. It just sounds bad from a technical perspective. I know it's more jarring always, when exactly, it's audio the only. The is always good. But I guess when two people are talking over each other, when you're in a room, it doesn't sound that bad. But when you're listening to it back, it, like, it really is bad. So I'm going to try to <laughs> let you finish your thoughts. <laughs> well, I can tell you where almost none of these social norms matter and where almost none of this lighting, this good lighting matters is in the metaverse and we have a lot to talk about the metaverse this week. Um, I think we have to start with Gabe Newell. So, you know, for those who don't know, Gabe Newell is uh, the founder and CEO of Valve. Valve uh, makes, uh, uh, produces like, or is the creator of Steam, which is probably the premier marketplace for PC gaming, right? For people to buy PC games. Uh, they also created Half-Life and Counter-Strike and Dota, right there. They also are a game development shop uh, with some of the biggest titles in the world. And and recently, Gabe's been pretty outspoken. I'll bring this article up in a second here. Uh, but he's been outspoken because he's been out talking about their latest project, the Steam Deck, which is sort of like a portable, very portable gaming PC that has their Steam marketplace at its core. And so he's been doing a lot of press and I, 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 when, you know, when obviously when we saw this headline, we figured we have to talk about this, this little snippet. Um, and so the headline here is Valve's Gabe Newell takes a flamethrower to the metaverse and NFTs. Obviously, very, a uh, little inflammatory headline there. Um, <laughs> don't, uh, the, don't mind the pun. Um, but let me just read what, 
what he said here uh, about the metaverse. And I'm going to read his uh, comments on blockchain and NFTs first here. He says, the things that were being done were super sketchy and there was some illegal stuff that was going on behind the scenes. And you're just like, yeah, this is bad. Blockchains as a technology are a great technology that the ways in which has been utilized are currently all pretty sketchy. And you sort of want to stay away from that. The people who are currently active in that space are not usually good actors. On the metaverse, Gabe said, there's a bunch of get rich quick schemes around metaverse. Most of the people who are talking about metaverse have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. And they've apparently never played an MMO. They're like, oh, you'll have this customizable avatar. And it's like, well, go into Lanosha in Final Fantasy 14 and tell me this isn't a solved problem from a decade ago. Not some fabulous thing that you're no, that you know you're inventing. So, so <laughs> very clear where Gabe Newell stands. And I'll just summarize on, on NFTs and blockchain, it's all sketchy and bad actors. I'm paraphrasing. And on Metaverse, it's like it's all been done before. This is just MMOs. You're not inventing anything. Gabe, obviously a very influential individual. Jeff, maybe unpack this for me a little bit in terms of your thoughts and why you think Gabe might be making very, very strong statements like this. Well, on the NFT piece, I mean, it's always dangerous to paint with such a broad brush where you say, you know, everyone is a scam or all of these are scams. but you know, he's not wrong that there is a lot of scams and a lot of frauds. And then, you know, there's one, our next story, we'll actually talk about that. So I'll allude to that. But yeah, I mean, we have seen a lot of these things be kind of crummy games that are really just speculative vehicles for people purchasing digital assets that frankly shouldn't be worth anything. Uh, I think most people in the space, honestly, besides the most hardcore Web3 gaming fans will acknowledge that currently that is the case. The hope is that as Gabe said, this technology has a ton of value and there will be games that are created that are actually good games and actually utilize this, the technology and the rails to create you know, fun experiences. And I, and I do, I think both of us do believe that sort of is eventually where this is heading. Um, so that's my thoughts on NFTs. On the metaverse, You know, it's funny, I think before we started this podcast, that was what he said was actually something that I, I think I espoused a bunch of times on our live stream which is like, how is the metaverse different than an MMO? And I am curious to hear your thoughts because you told me I was dead wrong every time I said that. But I kind of still feel well, like... I don't know if I, I said you're dead wrong. <laughs> I kind of still feel like that is the case. Um, you know, having said that, we obviously on this podcast are bullish on the metaverse. I think if we weren't, it would be pretty silly for us to be doing a weekly podcast on the business side of the metaverse if we were not <laughs> bullish on where this was all headed. But yeah, I'm curious your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, on the blockchain and, and NFT stuff, I'm surprised at the statement he made just because, like you said, it's a very broad brush to be using, right? Like, there's no doubt. And you, and you could give him all the benefit of the doubt here and say 95% are scammers. And I don't think that's the case. But you know what I mean? If I'm, if I'm giving him total benefit of the doubt, that's still not reason to come out and say, you know, these, th this is why I want to stay away from it, right? Because if you understand it and you're a smart guy like Gabe Newell, you should be able to navigate around the 95% that are. Now, I understand, though, why he has to take this stance. I think there's too much at risk with Steam. 
it takes one horrible scam on steam right that that takes advantage of steam users and and it puts his whole business at risk right like if if you don't have trust in the platform you're using to get your games to trade in game items um you don't really have a business if you're game newell right steam is the core of their business more than anything else and so i understand why he's really playing as risk averse as possible here and i understand why steam has blocked any blockchain based games from their platform right they've actively said we don't mm -hmm. want this here because i do think the reputational and platform risk is too high now we can we can argue around what percentage of these projects are scams or not it in my view if i'm him it only takes one to ruin the whole thing for him or to cause pretty tremendous damage to his business at a time when you're launching something new that's not what you want to be doing right so i think it serves his purpose to be anti blockchain based games and anti nfts in the moment fair i think the last part is interesting i mean i, I want to kind of juxtapose that position with what we've seen from tim sweeney who sort of although i think at times he has been very bearish on on crypto gaming and kind of probably in his heart of hearts feels very similar to gabe newell they at epic have been much more open to it is this an opening now if we both are fairly bullish on the future of Web3 gaming and think that, you know, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth. So if that's not the case, let me know. But, you know, we're pretty bullish on this blockchain gaming phenomenon. If we are to believe that these, this is one of, if not the future of gaming, where does that leave Steam? If you, you are now the dominant launcher, the dominant marketplace to buy PC games, Web3 gaming is largely almost entirely done on PC because mobile and console or closed ecosystem. So it's pretty much all being done on PC. Have you left a massive flank open if you're Gabe Newell, where there is a very real world where someone else becomes the steam of Web3 gaming? And is it is it Epic? Is it Discord? Even though they've kind of distanced themselves, I think, very foolishly from Web3, um, because a lot of the community building is happening on Discord. I think they would be the number one beneficiary if they were to create a launcher which ironically is something they tried to do for traditional gaming, whereas they probably could have done it for Web3 gaming. That's where all these things are being built anyway. Um, what do you think? Like, has, Is this a strategic blunder for Gabe Newell? No, I don't think so. And I'm pretty, like my feelings on this are pretty strong. I'm not like on the fence on this. And the reason is there aren't any good Web3 games, right? There aren't any good blockchain-based games. There aren't any good play-to-earn games. It doesn't exist. And so like, while you might look at this and go, ah, strategic blunder, they're going to, you know, they're going to uh, lose, you know, the Epic's going to sort of ride into the distance and be the only player here. The reality is pretty much everything that's out there right now is, is, is garbage. And so, you know, yes, Epic will get a lot of garbage that Steam won't get, but that's not going to move the needle for Epic. And I don't think it hurts Steam. I think in the long run where you were correct, I am very bullish on Web3 gaming. Um, but not short-term bullish on Web3 gaming because I don't think anyone has cracked the nut of what utility does blockchain or NFTs or any of these things, any of these technologies, what utility does it bring to gamers and how does it improve the gaming experience? Um, so, I mean, I 100% agree with that. Um, but having said that, it doesn't, even though a lot of it is, is crap, um, currently a lot of these games are not great. Don't you think by not having any of them or being so outright, you know, 
against it, you sort of lose your your first mover advantage. Whereas if Steam was allowing these games on there, even though a lot of them aren't good right now, once the one that was good, it's going to be on Steam's platform, right? Like when mobile first came out, the games were terrible. But Apple didn't say, oh, well, you can't do it on Apple. Like you have to go to Android to build games like gaming on phones isn't that great. Like they do curate, though. Apple does curate, right? They do. There is a a lot of like Chinese garbage that maybe they don't. It's a good point, Jeff. I'm not I'm not like discounting the point entirely. I just think the day someone figures out how to make a great blockchain based game right? Those developers are not going to not want to be on Steam, right? It's not like they're going to be like, oh, you guys shunned us for two years. We don't want to be there. Everyone's like the Steam will always have a large audience. Like that's not going anywhere. And a very loyal audience, that's not going anywhere. I think Gabe, my guess, if I'm in his shoes, when there are good games that people actually want to play, and I know they're not scams and I know they're not garbage, you know, that's when I, I open the floodgates sort of thing and let them in. So I, I see what you're saying, and I, you know, maybe you are correct that Steam is just such a behemoth that once a game gets popular, people will want it on Steam. But by that logic, wouldn't once the game is popular and it has a player base on whatever platform this ends up being, whether it's Epic, whether it's some new platform, whether it's Discord, what incentive then? Like, let's say a game builds up 20 million users and it's really good. Is it too late? Like, what does Steam say? Oh, no, now we want you. Ever remove your player yeah. base over to us. Okay, like, fine. Like what's the downside? Right? Like, you miss one, you miss out on one game, right? That's the, that's the, the total downside. You miss maybe one. And even then, like, you know, apex legends wasn't on steam in the beginning. It launched on, on steam later. Right. Uh, uh, and I know it almost everyone I know plays it on steam now, right? Uh, has it through steam launches it through steam, even though, for I would say at least a year, it was only available through Origin. What about the scenario? And I think this is probably the bigger risk. We have to remember the origins of Steam, right? Like Steam basically built Steam off the back of, I guess it was Half-Life, right? So what if Counter-Strike, block, yeah, Dota, but you know, what if this whoever, whatever company comes up with this, you know, first real big, really good blockchain game? become steam because they open it up say hey we're now a platform come and you know this is not something that people aren't trying to do look at what dapper labs has done look at uh polygon solana all these blockchains are basically trying to create a network where that they become the steam of these games and what if one of them creates such a good user experience because i think we could acknowledge there is going to be different onboarding different wallets like if you're going to create the steam of web3 you're going to need to do that intentionally. You can't just wait until it's already created and be like, we're steam come to us now, come to us now. You need to like build the product. Fair, but it's a lot, it's a lot easier for steam to add a little bit of functionality than for someone to go create a whole new steam. Right? Like I, I think any of those players that are looking to create their own platforms just have to look at Epic games and how many hundreds of millions they've, they've burned, right? They've literally torched trying to have a a relevant games platform. I think people overestimate um, like the, how easy it is to just start a new games platform. Right. And they, they, they underestimate how sticky steam actually is. I think people massively underestimate steam's market power. And, and I don't think that's going away anytime soon. Like it sounds easy. We'll just create our own platform, our own launcher people like, 
look, Epic had Fortnite. I don't think there's going to be any blockchain-based game in any foreseeable future that is bigger than Fortnite. And they're still struggling to create a platform that has any value or any stickiness or any kind of traction. The only thing I would say, I guess, before we, we move on, because I think we've covered this topic pretty well, is that we, we've talked many times about how the audience, the future audience for these blockchain games is probably a bit different, particularly at the start, from who's playing current games. So that portends to say, like, the dominant platform for Web3 gaming probably will be a native platform, and it won't necessarily be Steam. It's not the same customer base. That's the only, maybe, the only thing. Maybe, but if, if Web3 gaming wants to be successful they will have to figure out how to bring in traditional gamers. They like, they can't just ignore that audience. It's just, and this is, I think a mistake everyone in the play to earn space makes where everyone just like thinks we can, we can sort of be totally condescending with gamers. Like, Oh, you guys don't get it. Right. Like you just don't understand how this is so great. Like, no, you need those people to play your game. And if like, if they're not playing it or they don't care about it, Maybe they should be asking why, not telling them you don't understand it. So, like, again, I think underestimating how difficult some of these things are um, on Gabe's second our point. Next story, our next story <laughs> might highlight why. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next story is a good one. I mean, well, and, and, and backs up, you know, gives Gabe a little bit of, of air cover, at least in his own ideas. Um, and the headline here is NFT game Pixelmon stirs controversy for under delivering on promises. It says social media users are mocking the Pixelmon, the well-funded uh, NFT adventure game based on an early look at the game's visuals. It was pitched as the first AAA quality game of the NFT space, a play to earn open world RPG where instead of catching them all, uh, which is a, a nod to Pokemon, players purchase NFT Pixelmon for extraordinary prices. Um, so they, the, their NFT sales went live. Now Pixelmon purchases are able to view the actual Pixelmon they've purchased. And a lot of people are unhappy. Now, unfortunately, if you're listening to this podcast, you can't see this. I mean, you guys can look this up. Um, but, you know, here's a little uh, on the left, a little bit of what was promised on the right. I will describe it for those of you who are listening to this. It's nowhere near <laughs> call it the visual fidelity. It looks like something. Uh, you know, my four-year-old nephew could draw, um, <laughs> and it goes on and on. I mean, some of this art is just god awful, and not god awful like in a purposeful way. You know, some of some of these NFTs are you know bitmapped art meant to look like sort of old-style gaming. This is just uh, downright bad and ugly, and and nothing but hot garbage here. Um, <laughs> and so. Pixelmon, just to finish the story here, Pixelmon uh, raised 75 million, right, Jeff? Yeah. Uh, in sales of the of this art, I guess, of this of these NFTs. Um, is this not the poster child for everything that's wrong with NFT games or play to earn games? Is that is that your view on this, Jeff? I think it is. I mean, it shows everything that's pro that every problem with the current ecosystem that I think people like Gabe New are pointing out. I mean, it is a perverse system where you don't even have to create the game and you sell items to something that doesn't exist yet. Like, it's just not the typical way how games are financed. Typically, you have to come up with a pitch. You go to someone to finance the game. You sell a piece of your company. So you sell equity in the company. And then you build the game. And once you build the game, you then show it to gamers and say, 
hey, gamers, here's my game. Do you want to play it? And then if they <laughs> like it, they will buy it from you. Or better yet, it's free to play. They start playing it. And then if you earn their you know, engagement, they will then spend money. That's sort of the way the games industry has worked forever. Now, it's this bizarre system where you put out a white paper saying, hey, we're going to create Pokemon, but you get to own the Pokemon, basically. And people give you $75 million for something that <laughs> they don't even have a line of code yet. They have a, someone spent three days putting together a white paper and this got hyped all over the internet. It, it, it is really problematic. Um, there's a whole other angle to this where it's like, I don't know how these aren't security sales. And this isn't an expertise of either of ours, so it's probably not even worth getting into. But how how are you not selling you know a security here where it's basically you're selling an asset where people are hoping it's going to value? We're talking massive dollars. Like this is going to get regulated very quickly, I imagine. This when you see scams at this level, the government's going to get involved. It reminds me a little bit of the early days of like crowdfunding in the startup world where there was a bunch of scams and then the government you know really cracked down, put a bunch of regulation around it. I wouldn't be, I also wouldn't be surprised uh, to me though. This is interesting because, and I'm leaving, I'm leaving these pictures up because they're just so bad. They're funny. They make me smile. Um, I have to believe this is not to go tying this to our previous conversation. This is not gamers buying these. I don't think anyone who bought into this are actually gamers because in the gaming community, right? One of the big trends over the last few years is this massive backlash against game pre-orders, right? Many, many gamers have been burned. Like if you were the person that pre-ordered Cyberpunk 2077, right? Not only did you wait like four years for your for the game to finally be delivered after you pre-ordered, but like then the, the game you actually got was nothing like what was promised. And, and a lot of people got pissed off. And there is this general sense in the gaming community that, you should not pre-order a game, right? Battlefield had this, like any game that launched badly, there's always this like never pre-order a game. So I refuse to believe this was gamers that bought into this. This is like crypto speculator kind of, you know, uh, this this crypto speculator crowd. And, and I would bet that that group couldn't care less or didn't take any time to even care what this game was all about, right? And, and this is everything that's wrong about the intersection of gaming and crypto and NFTs. And this is why I tend to take Gabe Newell's side, because I think most of the blockchain-based gaming industry could not care less about the game they're making. And we are nowhere close. We're not in the same universe as anyone being close to building a, to building a AAA quality game of the NFT space, as they're quoted as saying here. Uh, I mean, a hundred percent agree. It's, it's a bad look for the space. It's a bad look. And again, why I think I'm spectacularly right on my views on play to earn that we're nowhere near any kind of breakthrough. And that I fundamentally think some of those principles are at odds with what makes a good game. And, and I, you know, let me just add one extra layer to this. Cause I think it's a cautionary tale. But it's also like if we're going to succeed as an industry, we have to recognize where there are weaknesses. I think part of the problem with the blockchain based gaming space, with the NFT space, is you have people with virtually no experience, no business experience whatsoever, promoting projects, getting involved with projects, uh, pretending to be experts when they have no clue, have never run a business in their lives and never built anything in their lives. 
They spend a lot of time talking on Twitter and, and things like that um, and, and are at the core, I think, of what's rotten about what's going on here and are at the core of these kinds of projects. And um, was that, was that a shot at me? You know, my very active Twitter <laughs> at Jeff Cohen, 23, Jeff, the juice Cohen. I only have 300 followers. I know over a thousand of you listen to this, so you should be following me. I'm going to plug it every episode now. And I know that you were just talking, talking crap there about it. Um, no, but I think we need to root these people out. Like it's, just because you put an NFT in your Twitter bio and, and claim you're an expert, right? Like the, uh, these kinds of people getting involved with projects like this, who've never been successful in any kind of business endeavor are the, the same scammers who are pulling things off like this. And, and this will turn off the gaming community forever. And I think if blockchain based games lose the traditional gaming community, there's no coming back from this, right? I think a few more big failures that look and feel like this, and they will never get them. And play to earn is totally dead in the water, in my opinion. Um, let's move on. I, I really like this story, Jeff. You sent it to me. And, and it's all about the intersection of the metaverse and poker. And the, the headline here is the metaverse finally has a killer app, poker. And, and before I read the rest of this, or, or at least introduce the rest of this, you know, we always talk about how the metaverse has a little bit of a software problem, right? That um, the different worlds aren't interconnected. There's no standards. But I think one of the conversations we've had, at least on the edges, are are about like, where's the killer app for the metaverse, right? What's the reason that grandma's going to buy a VR headset and spend, you know, half of her day there? Um, and, and so this, uh, this headline was very eye catching to me. Uh, when they say poker is the killer app for the metaverse <laughs> and, and the sub headline here says Decentraland is, is buoyed by casinos where players gamble for a chance at crypto wealth. So um, they're talking about Decentraland in this article. And as it turns out, the place that people most frequently visit in Decentraland is the casino. So people are dressed in their avatars. Obviously they're sitting around, uh, you know, a poker table it says graphics that would have looked cutting edge two decades ago on the PlayStation 2. So not, uh, you know, maybe not the best graphics. Um, but you, you, you to play, it says guests must buy or borrow a piece of virtual swag sold by the casino that can later be sold for cryptocurrency. And the poker chips can be used to upgrade the items and boost their value. So they're not trading in, in dollars here. you know, that's not what's being uh, gambled in the casino. It's uh, essentially uh, crypto or, or NFTs fundamentally. Um, what's interesting, the other the last thing before I, I open this to you here for your thoughts um, is they mention, uh, hang on. Oh yeah. They mentioned that Decentraland only permits gambling for those who live in a real world location where it's legal, according to the app's terms of service. And I thought, that was interesting, you know, especially given your expertise in the uh, online gaming gambling space. Um, but what do you make of poker in Decentraland and sort of does th is this a loophole? Is this, you know, uh, how, well, how really are you thinking about it? I have, a, I have a lot of thoughts here. I'm trying to figure out how, which which direction to go in. I mean, it's it's. It's a very interesting story. I mean, I, I feel like this whole episode, I've been the regulatory um, doomsdayer. Like <laughs> this is going to this is going to get regulated, right? If you, I I do appreciate the fact that they are only allowing people 
to bet in locations where they current where where betting is legal. However, in order to take bets in these jurisdictions, you need a gambling license. I, I didn't. I don't know if they have a gambling license. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I suspect they don't. So you you can't just even if you're in quote unquote the metaverse, you still, you know, as of today, have to follow the laws of society of you know countries that you're you're physically located in. So I do think that that is going to be problematic. However, I think it is a pretty good killer use case or killer app um, for the metaverse. And I, I so as as everyone here knows, I, I work at a company called Esports Entertainment Group, where licensed online gambling company. I've had a lot of people in this crypto web three space approach me about kind of different collaborations with with metaverses, and I I think it's really interesting. I do I worry about kind of what I just said about regulation. But but it, it's interesting because when you go to a casino, there is a very social aspect, particularly when you're talking about poker, table games, like there, there's something about being in a casino, having presence, going with friends, sitting down at a blackjack table and like winning with the table. You don't get that when you're on an online, you know, just are in a typical app, particularly blackjack. Like there is a massive element, you know, same thing with uh, craps. I don't know if this casino does craps, but like the whole point of the game is you're sort of playing with the others. So it's very social. So I, I do think it, it's it's a interesting use case of the metaverse technology, and I'm not surprised that this is one of the more popular um, metaverses within, I guess, Decentraland or, or, I guess, what do they call them? Like apps, rooms within Decentraland. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think you're you're going to see a lot of these things getting shut down and and people <laughs> going to prison, frankly. But you know. <laughs> It, it, it's a good use case and someone will probably figure it out legally. I suspect that these people are not necessarily doing it by the letter of law. Look, I, I agree with you that regulation will be, will come no question, but I, I think it's coming for different reasons. My, my, you know, the, the reason I think regulation will come and come quickly is, and this happened in gaming. There were a bunch of sites in in the gaming world that popped up where you could gamble not with dollars, but with um, uh, uh, items from uh, like uh, uh, weapon skins from Counter-Strike, for example. Right. So what what today we would call an NFT uh, back then was just a weapon skin. But uh, what it, it did was it sort of um, disconnected sort of the gambling from real money. And the regulators made the case that this encourages gambling, especially among minors who don't realize that this is gambling because it's just a weapon skin or it's just this or it's just that right here, because they're not dealing in any kind of currency because they're dealing with essentially a virtual item. I have a funny feeling regulators will come in and make the same case and say, you know, that you're going to create a generation of gamblers with this because they don't realize this is connected to real money and that messes with people's psychology and it makes it more dangerous. Um, so for that reason, I think this gets regulated. What I don't like about that though, is shouldn't the ideal capital T capital M the metaverse that we talk about be more like international waters than anything else? Like, shouldn't it be like a, an alternate reality that is not bound by, you know, whether I'm sitting in New Jersey or whether I'm sitting in Nevada or in, you know, or in a place like uh, New York or, you know what I mean? Like why, why are we bound by the player's physical location when we're saying we're trying to build a virtual alternate reality? Um, that to me is weird, right? Like it, it seems 
completely counter to everything so the metaverse should stand for. You are absolutely correct from a theoretical perspective. Again, to preface, neither of us are lawyers, but this yeah. is definitely an area of uh, law that, that has been tried many times. Because this is exactly actually something that online casinos have talked about a lot. One of the things, one of the loopholes that sometimes they've tried to use is while the servers, so what's physically like, you know, like the servers for the casino are (laughs) in either Indian territory or they're in, you know, uh, Antigua or something like that. Like, oh, so it should be legal because that's where the gambling is taking place, quote unquote. The government doesn't agree with that. There was something called the Wire (laughs) Act, like many, many years ago that basically said, no, that's not the case. Um, yeah, so I'm not gonna get into legal, no, it, it's, but yes, it's a good I agree point. the metaverse should have its own laws and its own government, but <laughs> we're not quite there yet. We're not there yet. And when we, we may are, never get there, you're going to run for president. <laughs> the prophet will be the president of the metaverse, master <laughs> of the metaverse. <laughs> um, if it's, if it's by, uh, you know, unanimous, what is it by acclaim? I think we'll get there. Otherwise, I don't know. Uh, but if it's by acclamation, uh, most definitely. No, I mean, it's an, it's an interesting conversation, Devin. Uh, there's like what we all want that you have to balance with also the risks of what we all want. Cause there's definite risks of making it like just, you know, international water version, like a digital version of international waters where anything goes uh, that, that I think brings a whole host of other problems. The problem is like I, the benefits get smaller and smaller, the more you centralize and the more you regulate, regulate, right? Like, the ambition and the scope gets smaller and smaller as, as you put sort of boundaries around it. And I think that's the frustration and where the balance point between boundary and, and what's allowed is will, will be sort of the interesting conversation. Um, that wraps up this week's podcast, Jeff. I mean, uh, always time flies here. An episode. I mean, we didn't even get to elves. That's a really important, really cool story about metaverse <laughs> elves. We'll do it next time. Don't worry. Well, this is, this is going to become, what is it? The Jimmy Kimmel and the, uh, what was Matt Damon, you know, where every, every episode, it's every Jeff wants to do this elf story, this metaverse elf story. So if, if you want to hear it too, I, I nix it every single week. Uh, I veto it every single week. If if you really want to hear the metaverse elf story, make sure to to follow at Jeff Cohen 23 and tell him about it. Uh, and <laughs> I may still veto it, but definitely go tell us about it. <laughs> um, and as always guys, uh, like I said, subscribe, uh, wherever you get this podcast, make sure to hit that follower subscribe button. Um, also leave a review. It helps others to find the podcast. And as always, we will see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us here on Meta Business. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast everywhere you get your podcasts, leave a five-star review, and tell your friends, family, and colleagues all about us. Also, make sure to follow Meta TV on all socials to get more of the best Metaverse content anywhere. Tune in every week for another episode of Meta Business.